and welcome back to Flip the Switch. This is the show that is dedicated to the multifaceted and multi-talented. And we're all about every week chatting to a new guest about where they are on their journey to finding a dream career. And today I'm joined in the studio by Zoe. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. January was a very um January was a very busy, very long month. I feel like the start of a new year is always quite always exhausting mm, and difficult. What era are you in right now? Oh my god. Cocktail resting era? <laughs> <laughs> not resting. Certainly no. not resting. Uh, what Hustling. era am I in? I don't know. I feel like right now I'm in like a kind of a purgatory era. Okay. It's like I'm I'm sifting through a lot of different things, but with the intent of having some clarity. Mm, that's a really good era to be in, actually. I think so. I think it's really freeing. Well, also you can't have like the good bits and the fun and the smoothness without like the rough and like the peakness and the yeah. confusion first. It's like it just, it just doesn't work that it's way. It's so true because I've been learning about happiness and how happiness just is so at one with pain Mm. and everything you do when you look back actually like the worst like times of my life revolve around the happiness came out of the pain right and the idea came out of the pain yeah which i'm now like channeling actually a bit of challenge a bit of hardship isn't the worst thing in the world well it's that classic thing isn't it where it's like if we were just happy all the time would we notice true you you actually wouldn't be able to feel emotion really if everything's like that you need stark contrast Mm. it's like eating if you like only ate sugary foods forever it's like how would you know that it was tasty or good or special it's like you need like salty and sour and bitter and then it's like oh wow this is so sweet it's like variation and speaking of variation yes you're a very varied person i am indeed (laughs) and so let's get straight in and actually talk about every single side of your life Mm -hmm. i think beginning with the creative side sure Uh, you were described as a creative chameleon Okay. Which I'm stealing that. Please. <laughs> it's so good. Is, is that on your CV? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's on my personal CV, but I love that somebody described me thusly. That's so nice. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. So Zoe, mm. what do you do? So I do a variety of things. I am a creative director and work as a creative consultant in music for um, Warner Records and also for Black Butter, which is a label at Sony. Um, and work with a myriad of artists across their campaigns, doing everything from like stills, moving imagery, uh, music videos, um, styling, uh, live shows, etc. I'm a broadcaster, so I have a monthly show on Foundation FM, um, which is an interview-based show speaking to different uh, creatives and people who I really love about their life and work. Um, I'm a DJ, um, I DJ with an incredible crew of longtime best friends called Prestige Pack, which is made up of myself, Lil C, Architect and Handsome Rob. And I also DJ solo. Um, and I DJ as Lagoon Femshamer, who is a kind of alter ego of mine. Um, but more just a kind of an expression of my creativity. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And then I do like an odd bit of kind of like presenting and hosting. I do mm-hmm. some hosting stuff for Dazed. Um, we went to Eurovision last year and it was the highlight of one of the highlights of my year was so much fun um and yeah and then honestly anything anything else that people want me for (laughs) like i don't really like if you've got if you've got a check i've yeah you'll bring it i'll yeah let me know what do you want to do 
Should we start where actually the creative side of you came from mm-hmm. and how you've grown that as a career? I mean, in terms of, I suppose when I think about what has kind of like led me to where I am now in my career, I think it was, you know, it was like it was studying art and history of art at school. Um, that was definitely just kind of like a general visual world. And I have this thing where I get very obsessive over things and then kind of like need to constantly kind of... Uh, taken more and more and more so it was like when I was 16 17 years old I I started doing history of art as an A-level and that was it I was just hooked and so I would like I would walk to school in the morning but I would be like reading art books in the morning on the way to school mm-hmm. so and it's the same with fashion it's the same with makeup it's the same to a certain extent with music or now with film it's like my brain just has this very obsessive quality and so if there's something that I hook into and I'm really it's like I got really into last year for like a month I got really into the girl with the dragon tattoo like 10 years late (laughs) but I like I was like oh fuck it like I'll give it a go and I watched it and I was like this is fab like this is so major oh no it's great it's like it's um it's oh god and now I'm gonna forget his it's David Fincher Mm -hmm. who is uh you know like a super interesting director and um yeah and i just for some reason just got really into like the mythology of the girl the dragon tattoo and david fincher for like a month and then one day it just like it disappears and it goes away again that's the same with me it's the hyper focus isn't it it's real and you were just like for me i wanted to be a chef for a little bit right and it got to the point where i nearly signed the dotted line of creating my own restaurant like I was that close. Oh my God. And then I was like, wait a sec, this is not you, Shana. Like, where are you going with this? What was this? that inspired by, do you think? I think like, I lo- I do love cooking. Mm. Like genuinely as just a bit of, I see it's therapy very much. Yeah. That unwinding. But it led to, I went to New Orleans. Have you ever been to? No, but I've heard amazing things about the Beautiful. food. Yeah. Lovely culture, food, drink, everything. And I wanted to bring that to the UK. Right. And actually spread the word of just how inclusive it is actually as well. Like when you could bring music into it and the jazz music and the history is mm. stunning. And I wanted to do that and it just got, I got carried away with the passion. <laughs> so I, I, I get it. It's you get that hyper-focus, you focus on something. And then there's a time when you're like, ah, is this, is this for me right now? <laughs> well, yeah, 100%. And you know, it's just like going back to those things that I was initially inspired by. It was like, I think the thing was, is that I didn't know I didn't have a name for what I wanted to do. Mm. It was just very much like, I'm really interested in all of these things. How do I, I remember like trying to explain it to my mum once because I became really obsessed with nightlife kind of in my late teens, early twenties and specifically the kind of like the club kid scene in New York and mm-hmm. the kind of like the, uh, the kind of like the parallel scene that was happening in London, you know, it's like throughout the eighties and nineties and Lee Bowery and Blitz kids and Suzanne Barch parties. And then the parties that were happening in kind of like the mid 2010s in mm-hmm. New York and London, like the lover boy parties that Charles Jeffrey threw and on top and all of these incredible events, fight club in New York city, all these amazing parties where people would get dressed up and go. Yeah. And the, all of the creativity, the fashion and the music and the art and like the just the creativity from all those scenes. It was something I wanted to be a part of, but I didn't know how to articulate that or oh, what wow. that actually was. Yeah. And so I'd explain to my mom, I was just like, yeah, mom, like she was like, well, what do you want to do like with all this stuff? And I was like, oh, like I want to, I want to go to the life ball in Vienna because I saw <laughs> so, that they would go so to- So specific the, as well. So specific, but it was also like, I didn't understand that there was like, I just saw it as like a scene and then what people in the scene did, but I didn't actually understand the kind of like the in-between bit, like the mm-hmm. work and yeah. everything that you like. 
and uh, the various strings that actually create that thing. Yes. And because like even the art, the fashion, the music, that all comes together. How did you take that, that to the next step then and turn that into a career? I got, I was like, I, I came back to London from uni mm -hmm. in a quite, in quite bad shape, to be honest with you. And for a couple of years, really struggled in London. I ended up having to go completely sober and mm -hmm. I'm still five years later, I'm alcohol free and mm -hmm. cocaine free and mm -hmm. have been since 2019. And that basically kind of, I was in just like the worst place ever. I remember it being like the 3rd of January, 2019 mm. and calling my dad and just, uh, from this awful job that I was working at the time and was just like, I'm going to be sober for a year. And he was like, okay. He's like, you know, when you make a decision like that, you need someone to hold you to it. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, I know my dad's going to hold me to it. Mm -hmm. And once I'd made that decision, a switch kind of clicked and I... I was very lucky that my best friend Cheska was working at both XL and Young Turks at the time. Mm -hmm. And she had met a creative director there called Imogen Snell, who um, still runs an incredible creative direction studio. And she needed an assistant. And so I went for coffee with her. And, you know, I had an art historical background mm -hmm. and an art background and also this kind of like nightlife background and was super interested in that's you know all of that stuff and had quite a good knowledge of a lot of kind of what was going on. Mm. And... Um, she was like, well, come and work for me. Amazing. And so that was how I kind of first started doing creative direction. Mm -hmm. And then I left her studio at the beginning of 2023 mm -hmm. um, and went fully freelance. Oh, wow. And okay. so I've been doing kind of creative direction since 2019. So I'm in my whatever it's like fifth year now yeah 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 how many years ago as long that? as as many years as i've been sober i've been doing creative direction incredible yeah. and, and out of that hardship and i appreciate you being so honest about it because mm. these things do really shape who we are and actually you need to kind of like check yourself and say this is time for me to change and it's only us that have that responsibility but it's like being around amazing people that can support you oh, through that and like trust you and help you because it's not easy to do something like, like that especially in music and the nightlife area i know that there's that big culture of which, which is the opposite oh my god you see it all the time this is the thing nightlife is the most headless environment ever that's why it's so fab you know it's yeah. like hedonism is so important mm -hmm to society, to culture. Everybody needs moments to release and to gather together and to bond and to like make memories and to meet new people. It's like those things are like fundamental to the human experience, right. which is why nightlife is so important. But obviously that also comes with a lot of other stuff as well. And when I first, sorry, when I first started working in nightlife, you know, when I first started doing drag and whatever, mm. I, was a, I was a fucking, I was like a fucking mess. <laughs> I was a mess. And, um, was it because it felt really exciting? And yeah. Because you want to go to 100, don't you? Well, when that's the thing. It was like a mixture. It was like I just started doing Dragon, so that was really mm. exciting for me. And I had all of that kind of just like blind, doe-eyed sort of like enthusiasm. Mm. But I was also slowly developing a problem with alcohol at the same yeah. time. And becoming, a, and a lot of it kind of came from really losing a lot of confidence that I had. Mm. And, you know, replacing that confidence with something else. And that thing was like alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. and um it, it's like a, having a crutch yeah yeah no 100 percent. you see it a lot with, mm. in the music industry like when i first started dj because i started djing at 16 oh, wow. super early and i had older friends mm. that were then dabbling in drugs early and you're exposed to it actually quite a young age and i found like my drinking 
and just like going mad, yeah. I'd say era, was early, very early. And actually when you go to uni and everyone starts experimenting, mm. that was when I was like, I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm actually... I don't need it anymore. But when it when you are DJing a lot and you get a rider and everything's exciting and cool and you want to try and test and play. Yeah. But then there does become a point when you're like, hold up, like this has got to stop as well. Because music as well, it being a job, it being fun and a passion, all these different things in one. I find the the boundaries are just so blurred. It's almost a cliche at this point, but I think, you know, remember that if you work in nightlife you work. Mm. So at a certain point, even if your job is to party, you have to treat it like a job. Yeah. Because if that's the way you're going to make your money, like if that's the way you're going to sustain yourself, and people do, mm-hmm. people have, you know, have the most incredible successful lives For based sure. off working in nightlife, but that's probably because they treat it like work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be fun, but I've seen so many people go by the wayside because they were working in nightlife and specifically all of like the ego and everything that comes with working in nightlife where it's like you kind of become like a little mini club celebrity in your own right. And it's like, it's like if you zoom out just a tiny bit, sweetheart, nobody knows who you fucking are. <laughs> you're you're famous to 200 gay guys yeah. on a friday night mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. like that does not a true star make but it's feeding the ego though right exactly and do you know what i never forget when electra once said this they said context is everything mm. and that is like one of the best pieces of advice motivation in life because when you zoom out you're like yeah Am I? You're not. And actually that drive then makes you move on and yeah. grow and get better. Because if you are in a bubble of like everyone knows you, you're like, do I even need to, you can relax a bit. Yeah. And you need the bit of challenge. I think also, you know, I still believe that nightlife is like, is like one of the most important things mm. kind of like culturally going on in this country and around the world i still think that it's like it's a place for kind of like innovation and change we all know by now that is where the best fashion and music and culture in general comes from it starts in nightlife it starts in clubs it starts in places where people throw themselves together yeah. that's just the way it is um but you know you do also have to kind of look after yourself too yeah and I think that's where we'll get into. I think it's time to flip the switch. I think we've talked a lot about nightlife already. Mm. And I think let's just keep going and get straight into music. Let's go into Lagoon Femme Shema. Mm-hmm. Where did she come from? <laughs> well, Lagoon Femme Shema wasn't always my name, first of all. Okay. I had two drag names beforehand. The first, <clears throat> the first was Cherry Gardens, which was Ooh. after the Vibes Cartel song Summertime. Love it. Okay. And the reason for that was I was like, you know, love Vibes Cartel, love the music, yeah. think the music's great. My friend who I mentioned before, Cheska, she's a Vibes Cartel connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Been going out in queer nightlife spaces for over a decade. I always hear Vibes Cartel out in the club because it's fantastic. But Vibes Cartel is a notorious homophobe. So in my head, I was like, well, what better way to kind of dig back uh, Vibes Cartel than to be a drag queen and name myself after one of his songs? The idea of him like being in prison and hearing that a drag queen in London had called themselves Cherry Gardens after summertime and being irked by that, to my mind, was always like quite a fun, stupid Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. Then I kind of got over it. It's like there's a drag queen called Cherry. 
I'll move it along. So it was Diamond Garden. Again, it kind of worked. But I was just a bit like, mm, I was like, why the garden? I don't, it's like, it just, whatever. It makes <laughs> you no weren't sense. feeling it. Okay. No. And I'd always been blue. The character had always been blue. So I was like, mm, Lagoon. Mm. Should have just left it in hindsight at Lagoon. But I was like, oh, I'm a drag queen, so I need a surname. Like, why? <laughs> you need that? a passport. Apparently. Do you know what I mean? Like, who needs, like, who, where, why, why are all these rules existing? And then why did I have to pick a name that a lot of people can't spell or say? I was at, like three o'clock in the morning, fucked up with my friend Albie, who was going out with a guy at the time who we used to joke had like a masculinity complex. We used to be like, you're such a femme shamer, you're such a femme shamer. And then we were like, <gasps> It clicked. You're like, Lagoon Femme Shamer. Like, that's the name. <laughs> and then it stuck. And then people, literally, people now come up to me and they're like, oh my God, Lagoon Femme Shamer. And I explain to them the name. And they're like, oh, like, Femme Shamer. That is oh, why. Oh, like, that's why. <laughs> I think people just thought I just, like, had a stupid surname for fun. Yeah, because I do. What I did wonder, like, what the reason was for, yeah. like, bringing those words together. Femme Shamer. And I love it. That actually makes it so much more exciting. Because it's also like, because it's also like, you can't be a femme shamer if you're literally cross-dressing. Right, exactly. So, but then it's similar to the original in a way. Yeah, kind you, of, yeah. You have this hidden meaning. And Well, it's antagonism. Yeah. It's how can I low-key piss people off? It's like I saw my friend, um, who everybody should go and follow, Club Queen Michelle Ajama, um, the Michelle Ajama show on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, she's amazing. She went to Adonis with a cardboard sign that said no bottoms on it and then danced throughout the whole of Adonis with this sign saying no bottoms which is obviously a huge joke yeah and then the next day Adonis gets all of these messages from like humorous Clapham gays being like we just want to say that the fact that you let somebody with a no bottom sign <gasps> dance around the club blah 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 and it's like it's like, what happened to irony? Interesting. What happened to sarca sarcasm? Like, mm. what happened to taking the mick out of something? So people like, were take, taking it way too seriously, basically. And it's just, yeah, it's like the same with femme shaming. It's the same with, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, We're having on. fun, yeah. Do you let know us, what I mean? Let us have our fun. It's not that deep. Yeah. And let's talk about fun, because I feel like you've been having lots of fun the past few years. I've been trying. So with Lagoon, let's talk about a bit about this idea of an alter ego. Okay. It's something I've just try, been trying to understand, to be honest, a little bit recently, because I think I've had one mm -hmm. for a long time. Being South Asian and just growing up around that culture, which can be really claustrophobic and also trying to be a creative at the same time. Like I did the whole study of law degree fit in a box, but I was also like, there's a part of me that doesn't want to do that mm. and be that. And I'm so much more than that. And so I had to break out in some form and I shunned like this South Asian culture. I'd be like, what do people call it? An Oreo and just like right. hide and pretend and like be very white in everything I did. And so the version of the alter ego actually came for me out of negative experiences mm -hmm. and just trying to break out, but also fit in a box and everything. Mm. And so I think that egos developed out of that. And then you have to play like acts in a way, mm. at, in every single version of who you are. And that's exhausting, that that was. I want to hear about like what you think about Lagoon and whether is that a, a different side of you or is that you? How have you felt with that and growing that? Well, the way I always approached Lagoon was that it was effectively, in hindsight now, especially having done creative direction for so long, but it mm. was basically a way for me to, it was basically my first creative direction project. 
it was like, what would happen if I took all of these references and all of things that I love in music and art and makeup and fashion and basically applied them to myself because I was the only person who I could apply them to. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of where it all started. It was kind, I mean, whether it was necessarily about kind of like, playing with gender like Mm -hmm. i suppose it was in a way because a lot of my influences and inspirations were kind of like not male or masculine necessarily at least at the beginning but it was more just about kind of like getting to the crux of what i found inspirational in general okay like the things that i just found really interesting Mm -hmm. um and then being able to apply them to myself and like basically just kind of like using my body as like a place to pull of those ideas can you give me an example of like what was an inspiration and how you brought that into life oh 100 percent. like i suppose i suppose in the creation of lagoon and the initial stages you know thinking about things that are kind of blue maybe kind of slightly like marine or alien mm. looking but also kind of like slightly classical in terms of like the jewelry that I would wear, like pearls and big like Diamante chandelier earrings. To my mind, that was a mixture of influences like the artist Juliana Huxtable, who did an incredible self-portrait series where she was kind of green and blue and purple. So it was that. It was the villains from Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. It was Pat McGrath's makeup for John Galliano's Dior in the early noughties. It was um, horror movie posters from the 50s and 60s that would reference the extreme kind of color lighting Mm -hmm. that would be used in the films, that kind of like schlocky B-movie style of lighting. Kind of like how you see, even though it's the 70s, but what you kind of see in Suspiria or Creepshow in the Mm -hmm. 80s. Um, It was a whole... And Lee Bowery was kind of like a huge reference to me who was like an amazing performance artist costumey uh um makeup artist a kind of a blueprint basically for so many people because he truly in the 80s and 90s innovated to such an insane degree in terms of what was possible like took ideas that people had not really ever engaged with and did them effectively for the first time in a lot of ways okay you know he would like make a costume um, and talk about kind of like the different ways, the different body parts that want to be accentuated. And he was like, the only body part that people haven't accentuated um, is the stomach. Oh. So I'm gonna do a. I'm, so I'm gonna do a costume with a diving board coming off my chest. Oh my gosh! Wow. It's like these costumes, like truly innovative. Mm-hmm. And so that was. And so I was kind of looking at all of those and wanting, I was like, I was never interested in kind of like looking like a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or looking particularly human. Because mm-hmm. I was like, enough people do that already. So it was, did it come out of like fantasy as well that you wanted to just be a bit different? Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just like, a, it's like a, I suppose it's a form of like pure escapism. Mm. And then the moment you create this finished look and you take it outside into the real world, like in a way reality is kind of altered. The moment you kind of enter a physical space, yeah. even if it's like a, you know, it's like a local club or whatever with, you know, 150, 200 people, you know, it's like, like the reality of the space has changed because all of a sudden something, a total non-human entity is there playing music for you all to listen to. Like, what is this? It becomes cinematic. And like with the boiler room that ended up happening mm-hmm. in whenever that was 2022, mm-hmm. it was like that, I suppose, was kind of like the crux of all of that work. Like, I think that is 100% what I wanted to talk about because I love how you did so much 
behind the camera as well mm. and the cur curation that you did can you tell me more because that is literally the definition of a multi-hyphenate what yeah. you did with that boiler room no for sure well i was very very lucky to do that boiler and it was something that i'd mentioned to amar who was the incredible creative director of boiler room um and i'd, I'd kind of pitched them the idea of this show he was like yeah incredible let's do it and yeah i you know, and obviously, with a, you know, they had an amazing director, an amazing DOP. They brought in an incredible set designer, someone called Furman Ahmed, who, if you ever have the pleasure to work with Furman, you should. They're incredible. But yeah, it was just like, let me take all these, like the mood, the initial Lagoon mood board and the mood board for Adrenalina mm -hmm. are the same. Wow. Okay. You know, it's like the the background visuals being inspired by Pipilotti wrists, incredible video work, or the hair that I wore being a kind of like a direct inspired wig created by the amazing Truffle Pig wigs. But it was like, it was inspired by Paul Phoenix's hair from mm -hmm. Tekken, mm -hmm. a game that I've been playing since I was six years old. Oh my gosh, wow. So again, it was just like, it was pure creative direction, but all from that same kind of like, it was like, how do I, how do I put the DNA of Lagoon in every aspect of the show? That's so interesting. Like the threads all come, come together in, yeah. in that show. And how was that moment for you? It was, it was, it was amazing to kind of look, it was amazing to look around. And I think the thing is, is that if you are a creative in any way to go from having a list of ideas on paper and mm. then to see every single one of them actually come to fruition, exactly how you imagined it wow. is like, you know, it's like alchemy. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's incredible. And so it was just, it was, you know, to be like, to be like smoking <laughs> a spliff outside the club after the show with Kevin Aviance, wow. whose music I'd been listening to since I was 19. And then Kevin headlines the show I put. Yeah. It was just like, this is just insane. And the way she smoked that blunt as well. Have you ever seen um, in Hercules that bit where Hades smokes the cigar? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it all just goes... <laughs> in one go it's like i had the spliff and kevin aviance just went and then walked away as if it was nothing so it really was a moment it, it was a moment in so many ways yeah it was it was just it was so unbelievably affirming and it was also a testament to my creative vision being one that other people could really enjoy and take seriously the way you did it like even watching from the youtube videos because mm. I, I, I sadly wasn't there but you can really feel the fantasy and feel immersed mm. which I think is quite unique to a typical boiler room. Yeah. And so it was so beautiful to actually bring all of those elements together and create, it, it didn't feel like in a way a DJ set, it felt like a show and something yeah. very special. Even like the way they lit it and like the, you know, I remember talking to the to the director about what lenses the DOP was going to use. It looked like an HBO special. It's amazing. It was incredible the way the light, the way they captured the light and the way it kind of like glinted and glowed mm. and like the way the light refracted. It was really was soft people. as well. Like it just glowed. Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. Is there any instances where, though when you've had challenge with just leaning in and, bring everything together because you know like in being an innovator ideas aren't always accepted mm. because they are innovative so have you ever had that and how have you kind of gone through that of those obstacles 100 i think the thing which i think the thing which people get wrong especially when i think when you see anybody like doing mm. things considered to be successful or cool or whatever on instagram is that everybody just gets invited to do these opportunities. Mm. And the reality of the situation is, is that 90% of the things that I've achieved or the things that I've accomplished or done, I have asked for and 
harassed people for and you know it's like with the boiler room and everything too it was like you know I like I knocked on the door and was like I really want to do this mm-hmm. nobody approached me to do it I was like there's something I want to do mm-hmm. the same with the creative direction job that I have now it's like if I hadn't emailed every single person and spoken to every single person like do you know anyone are you looking for anyone blah blah blah, blah. like I wasn't just like handed a job no it's like taking back control and this like notion of being an architect of your own career. Yeah. Like you have to take responsibility. You also have to you also have to be happy with hearing no. Yeah. Which is hard. Which is really hard. And actually, do you find that the word no, like for me, it spurs me on. It's like challenge. Oh, 100. <laughs> let's, oh, 100 Keep going here. One hundred percent. I think ve- I've always very much in my head have a had a I will prove. Yeah you wrong me too mentality mm-hmm. but you know and i also think you've got to separate no from you're not good enough mm-hmm. people hear no and they hear um you're bad at what you do you're not good enough for this this is and it's like especially now kind of working on the other side of the coin or maybe just kind of having a broader understanding of how everything works it's like no is a huge variety of things the budget might have been snipped two days after they reached out for you for the email the head of the department may have changed Mm -hmm. they may have found a talent who was actually more aligned with the project they wanted to do they've reached out to 10 people and you were one of them and it's unfortunate this time but at least you're on there it's like there are so many things at play here Mm -hmm. what you've got to do is you've got to separate all of that mishigos and craziness from actually your own work and what you want to do yeah so if you hear and you go great back to the drawing board, back to the grindstone. You keep it pumping and you keep it moving. It's so interesting you say that because you can make up so many stories in your own head. Do you know when you don't get, you get aired from an email and you're like, they hate me or they don't want to work with me. And then the imposter syndrome and the self inner critic just comes in and it's moving away from that, that actually... No is a no, not not right now, I always say. Yeah. And if not, it's going to happen at some point. Keep it on that mood board. Keep it on that goal list. Yeah. And it and you've got to like kind of trust the process. Also, I don't know. There were just like, there are things that, there are things that I was like, so like, oh my God, if I don't do this with my life, I'm going to be a total failure. And then it's like, time gives you so much more. Yeah. Like I used to have sleepless nights when I was 19 about like what my life was going to be like mm. and all the things that I was going to achieve, like self-flagellating and beating myself up because I wasn't already this like abstract idea of kind of perfection. And now at 29, I'm like, have you need, like you should have chilled the fuck out and just mm. enjoyed being 19. I feel like that's 20s as well, isn't it? The pressure of just being yeah. a young person. I'm looking forward to leaving them behind. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, like the 20s have been amazing but it's also like i'm ready to like step into the freeing of 30s everyone says that as well yes. how you just the you stop giving of, a shit exactly yeah and i i'm, I'm so here for that because i'm 28 so i i can't wait for that moment yeah i want to talk about um this notion of a dream career mm-hmm. and what most people are aspiring for searching for like you spend a lot of your life figuring out what you want to do mm. and answering the question so what do you do where do you feel you are now? Like you are a freelancer, you're do- smashing the DJing, the music side. Uh, on that journey, where do you find yourself? I honestly think that if you would have told me what I was doing now to my 19-year-old self, whatever, you would have had to have like slapped me <laughs> twice. And Their jaw would be on the floor. <laughs> no, honestly, because like, you know, I am in so many ways, kind of like doing everything that I always wanted to do, you know, being a creative director in music and I'm a 
currently a creative consultant at Warner Records. Oh, wow. And also work freelance for um, Sony, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and DJ, I still do my radio shows. I still do, like, the odd bit of kind of, like, hosting and presenting here mm -hmm. and there. The, like, amazing people that I've had the pleasure and privilege to kind of, like, work with is, like, it's... It's... Uh, it's amazing. It's, like, it's truly the stuff of it's truly the stuff of like everything that I dreamed of you know I am kind of living my dream career at the moment and actually it was the, I did have a weird point where I was like oh like I've accomplished actually loads of things that I wanted to accomplish and once I'd kind of realized that I think I actually felt a bit like depressed because I was like mm. well, what do I do now it's because of that like the gold medal syndrome like you're there at the top and then it's like where next where next yeah and does that feel like I guess where where's the future then for you where are you looking to to just keep scaling the things that you love have you found those things and now it's just growing them or is it actually evolving and moving into other things i think in a way the things that i've maybe succeeded in are the things that have maybe come to me a bit more naturally mm -hmm. and i do think that there is an argument for doing the things that you find harder and I think that is what this next phase is going to be about, is going to be about doing the things that you find more challenging, the things that you find intellectually kind of like mm. a lot more like rigorous and yeah. a lot harder to kind of tackle. Um, and that is really kind of like what I want to focus on mm -hmm. and do. Because um, that's what the best way to do it, though, is as soon as you feel like you're there is then to challenge and then go up that next mountain. Yeah. Because even now, like I'm like, should I train to be a a coach even mm. and like that's like a three-year mountain that i'd have to face and i'm like you know what i need i need something to work yeah. towards something exciting to do that can help more people or do more things to pursue that same destination and goal yeah but it's like the journey will always change with that this is the thing it's just like i sometimes worry that i'm lazy or like being lazy i would never see you as lazy oh god well i mean again it's like the <laughs> demonic the demonic voices in my head but I sometimes I'm just like, no, you've like, you've really got to push yourself more. And yeah. Push yourself more. And push, I've also just like, you know, I've just, again, it's probably like my parents. Yeah. Realistically, Definitely. it's my parents being like, come on, you can do Keep better. going. Yeah, you Keep can doing do it. It's like, ugh, but then how does that typical week look like then when you are getting up and is it more of a nine to five? Because obviously DJing we know is not at all a nine to five. Okay, so do you want to know typical week? week? Typical week. Okay, so typical week, especially especially since I started this year, typical week, I get up at six o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and I go to the gym. Hustle, okay. Which is something that I've started doing this year. <laughs> Hence that, which is why I'm wearing these. I come back and then I've been doing, I've been doing four days a week at Warner just for January. So I will probably have a shoot mm -hmm. one day in the week. The other three days I'll be in the office. Mm -hmm. I'll go to the office all day. I'll come back. Then on Friday, I'll have a gig. Mm -hmm. Night, I'll have a gig. Mm -hmm. Saturday night, I'll have a gig. Mm -hmm. Sunday, I'll rest. So, and then on top of all of that as well, I'll also be working on freelance projects outside of where I am at Warner. Okay. Um, I might also have a radio show at Foundation FM mm -hmm. that week mm -hmm. uh, or a pre-record. Um, I will be prepping, I'll be listening to music and prepping for this tour that I'm about to go on in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. Um, 
I'll watch at least one movie, usually a piece of Love shit that. 90s thriller, because that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Genre. That's the comfort. Okay. It's the ultimate comfort. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Sunday, I will probably be cooking. Mm, that's a beautiful Sunday. Yeah. So Sundays are wholesome. Sundays are wholesome. Sunday is usually about roasting a whole chicken, mm. taking all the meat off the chicken, then making stock from the chicken, which I can then use yes. as soup for the rest of the week. Yes, yes, yes. We do that with ramen. We make a, ra- a oh. banging ramen out of that roast, that carcass. I need so just like good. one day. Yeah, to yourself. Yeah. Where I can cook all day. And then do you have, so you have like Monday to Friday, you are f- kind of free, focusing on the freelance. Yeah. But then the, you go straight, actually, you're working Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So Sunday is your day, a complete day where you will never do any work. Do you have that time to avoid burnout and look after yourself? No. No. <laughs> no. I appreciate not the always. honesty. <laughs> no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. What would be the point in lying? It's like, no. I have really had, I have really had moments where I've felt close to being like, oh my God, I can't breathe Mm. because I've got so much work to do. And And that's not healthy. Yeah. But also again, I've got a voice in the back of my mind saying, you've got to work. 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 You've got to do more. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do. And to be fair, I've been in that, I've been in that mode for quite some time. I'm now, like I said, in this process where I'm in a kind of a bit of a a reevaluation and kind of going, what does the next chapter look like? What does the next phase look like? What are you? What's really important to you? Like, who do you really want to? Who do you really want to speak to? Who do you really want to learn from? Um, you know, who do you want to work with? How do you want to work? And so, that's actually quite exciting. It's like a nice self reflection in a way, ready for the year. Yeah, and I'm going to go on this tour and play some really exciting gigs, mm-hmm. and then in the midst of all of that, going to have a kind of a serious think about. Um, yeah, about what the rest of the year looks like and all the things I want to do. Um, I think that is a multi-hyphenate mindset common theme that I'm seeing though, is this, I have to go, 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 do, do, do all the time. Mm. But then- What are we running from? Is That's the question, right? What are we right? running from? Is that's there the a question. trauma? Is there an experience in your childhood? I don't know. <laughs> what happened to you when you were younger that made you such a fucking weirdo? I, I can see it though. It was a school thing. I went to a grammar school mm. and- a girls' grammar school, B's were not allowed if you got a B. Oh my God. I'm not even joking. If anyone got a B, it was like you were looked down upon. Jesus. So I was the AEA star girly. I had to be. Yeah. And I was not naturally as intelligent as my peers. Mm. So I really had to work for it. And then even doing the law degree, now I realized looking back, I did it so I could prove that I was, I could do it yeah. as opposed to just doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I find that the go, go, go and like excelling at everything I do, it comes from school. Yeah, I mean, I remember we had like a weird point system at our school oh, for GCSEs. Yeah. So like an A star was three points, an A was two points and a B was one point and you needed minimum 18 points, which wow. is nine Bs. Oh, okay. So there was that. So if you didn't get nine Bs or the equivalent of, you you wouldn't get in. Wow. Yeah. So does that drive come from there, do you think? Or just your personal drive of wanting to go, go, go? It's definitely part of it. My school was very rigorous in a lot of ways, but it was also my parents. Mm -hmm. It was also my parents and kind of like their... And their backgrounds, maybe in comparison to mine, they were both, you know, kind of like from up north and... And kind of like state educated. I don't think my dad has any qualifications because mm-hmm. he was dyslexic at school. And they were like, mm. oh, you're like a dyslexic kid in the 80s in rural yeah. Bolton. You're stupid. Yeah. It's like, he's not stupid. He was just mm. dyslexic. So I think when they moved to London, they've been able to do what they do. And so th- I think the idea of me doing anything but 
the top. They were just like, no. Wow. You got to go. You got to do you it. You got to do it. Yeah. And to, and to be fair, it's more of a blessing than a curse. Exactly. Do you I know think, what I mean? I think I'd hate to be lazy. So this is, if anything, I actually thrive off drive and mm. doing things and being busy. But with now I'm all about resting. Good rest as well. Yes. Because yes. what are you going to do on an empty tank? Is what I say. No, for sure. I'm like, you know, I am, I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> I was saying to my housemates yesterday, because like I said, I've been getting up at 6am to go to the gym. And I was like, oh guys, you know what? I'm going to, instead of going to the gym and then recording this podcast today, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a line. I'm going to get up at half eight. Oh yeah. <laughs> and my, and they were like, they were like, a line for you is half like, eight. You are fucked in the head. <laughs> but, you but know. you've challenged yourself and that's amazing. And right. I'm, I'm excited to hear what the future brings. Me too. I want to hear how anyone can keep in touch with you on okay. social media. Yes. Um, so if you um, want to follow me, get in touch with me in any shape or form, the, my Instagram is at lagoon underscore femshamer. Femshamer spelt F-E-M-S-H-A-Y-M-A. Get it right. Get it right. Mm. Not femshire. <laughs> Not Feshmire. <laughs> My dyslexia would do that though. That's the thing. I was really scared about reading it out. The number of like, the number of like, you know, those emails that you get from like jewelry companies that don't exist because they're trying to steal your bank details. And they're like, Lagoon Feshmire, we'd love to send you £3,000 worth of gold jewelry. Please send your bank details. Why, why do you need my bank details to send me jewelly? Anyway, whatever. But it's like, it's Fem Shame. They tried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>